Welcome to another episode of Bitcoin Tech Talk. As always, you can find my newsletter at jimmysong.substack.com. It comes to your inbox every Monday morning. Reality is turning into simulacra. Bitcoin Tech Talk number 254. One of the most interesting essays I read the past few years is this one by Paul A. Cantor, which is surprisingly a literary critique about a short story by Thomas Mann. Unlike most literary analyses, this one is written from a more libertarian perspective and really develops a lot of interesting ideas in light of the short story. The short story is set in Weimar Republic era Germany and Cantor makes a literary analysis which not coincidentally includes economic aspects of that era. The essay is worth reading in full and gives a lot of food for thought. But one particular thing that struck me is a concept he introduces, which is that of a simulacrum. By definition, it's an image or representation of something, but for the purposes of the essay, he uses the definition by Baudrillard, a French philosopher. A simulacrum is a copy, paradoxically, without the original. How can something like this exist? Usually, this is through the process of copying something real and then making a copy of a copy, then a copy of a copy of a copy, and so on, until there's no resemblance to the original. A simulacra is emptying, retaining the form without the soul. As pointed out in the essay, our fiat money is a simulacrum. It begins its life as a representation of gold, and for a while it does to various degrees. But once convertibility is suspended, as it did with the dollar 50 years ago, it became a simulacrum, a copy without the original. The same can be said of altcoins, who are copies of Bitcoin, who retain a semblance of the form, that is, using, a, using blockchains, without the soul, that is, decentralization. What's more interesting is that current, culturally, we're seeing this effect everywhere. The essay points out how people act more like actors who themselves are supposed to represent real people. In our day, social media interactions are on their way to becoming simulacra of real life interactions, which have mutated to the point where they don't resemble anything real. Political correctness is a simulacrum of moral action retaining the form and particularly the outrage associated with moral violations, but without anything solid, being completely relative in nature. Money's emptying out of value, that is through debasement and loss of soundness, causes an artificiality throughout society. In other words, phony money results in phony people, and phony people are more or less willing to suspend reality for the sake of getting along. The artificiality of money spreads to people and institutions like cancer, causing so much of the craziness we see today. The good news is that we have Bitcoin and it is sound money. Even relatively safe representations like wrap Bitcoin, derivatives, balances on exchanges are not considered Bitcoin because as we say, not your keys, not your coins. In other words, Bitcoin resists this turn toward fakeness. There's reason to believe that this will extend to other aspects of life as well. Bitcoiners tend to be more concerned with first principles and a priori thinking than say their fiat or altcoin counterparts. This results in a skepticism of representations and vetting claims. Trusted third parties are where artificiality grows. The benefits of being more aligned with reality cannot be overstated. 
It allows for better predictions going forward and more entrepreneurship in general because perception and reality match. It allows for more rational choices based on reality instead of narratives. It discourages political machinations as objective data is more valued. Sadly, the current trajectory seems to be making everything into simulacra. Masking was supposed to be for health safety, but it's become a measurement of compliance. Social programs used to be about helping the poor, but it's become a punishment and reward mechanism. The military used to be about defense, but the U.S. hasn't fought a defensive war in a long time. Let's hope that Bitcoin can turn this around. So I was inspired by this essay and, uh, you know, it, it is a really cool one about uh, Simulacra. And I've been reading uh, some C.S. Lewis. Uh, there's a book called The Great Divorce where, you know, the conception is that there is uh, essentially the state of sin is sort of like becoming less and less real. And that uh, occur it occurred to me that this is more or less what's happening with people is that we're becoming more and more uh, fake or less and less real. Um, and I think a large part of that root cause is the money that we're using. It's it's uh, it's not real. It, it doesn't have any backing. It used to represent gold, but it no longer does. And, you know, social media was repre representing relationships, but that's no, I mean, it's, it's a facade of relationships and it, it retains something of the form, but none of the soul. And modern art is very much like that. It used to represent actual, you know, views of something like, uh, like a literal view, like, uh, you know, a view of a sunset or something like that. Um, but it's become like very abstract and it, it too is a simulacrum. Um, so, you know, in, in that way, it's, uh, it, you know, things become less and less real. And the less real something is, uh, the harder it is to make businesses or create goods and services and products and build civilization. Instead, you get sort of like a breakdown. And that seems to be what's happening. Um, and hopefully Bitcoin can reverse that trend because it is sound money. It is something real and it's something that you can easily verify um, and, you know, paradoxically, like at least according to uh, boomers and so on, who seem to think that there is nothing real about Bitcoin. Um, actually, it's the other way around. It's there is nothing real about the dollar and it is Bitcoin that is much more real. Um, anyway, I, I hope to develop this idea further at some point. I might write a longer essay, maybe perhaps from a Christian perspective. All right, Bitcoin. Shinobi lays out what we really mean by Bitcoin security. As he lays out, the concept itself is flawed because there isn't a monolithic Bitcoin security, but security over each UTXO. There are obviously lots of UTXOs, and each one has security related to the depth of the blocks it's buried under. Furthermore, the security is dependent on both the equipment, energy, and game theory around the profitability of reorganization. I thought the article made an excellent point that security isn't a global thing, but much more granular in Bitcoin. So, uh, yeah, I, I think he wrote the article because he was getting frustrated. You know, uh, what about the security of Bitcoin? Is it, a, uh, you know, is it energy or something? Um, and he makes a really good point that it is on an individual UTXO by UTXO basis by which you can measure security um, and not uh, overall global thing. Uh, and, you know, if you're buried under three blocks, uh, that's less secure than if you're buried under 400 blocks. And and that's 
that's the idea is that there there is a security to being buried under a bunch of blocks and uh to revert a transaction from like you know two years ago is obviously a lot more difficult than one from like three blocks ago so that's the point that is making and i thought uh that was a good summary of how we should think about bitcoin security 10XU has Bitcoin development content now in Spanish. This is aimed at developers looking to support the Lightning ecosystem in places like El Salvador. There is obviously a lot more content in English, but I'm sure there are plenty of Spanish-speaking developers that could benefit from content like this to make more native apps. We've had some great apps come out of the Spanish-speaking countries like Moon. So this should help in developing the ecosystem. Yeah, so... This is something that is a little bit of a problem in uh, grabbing more developers for the Bitcoin ecosystem because so many uh, people that, uh, I mean, English is the lingua franca of the world, but if you don't speak English, it is very difficult to understand or learn the Bitcoin protocol, uh, largely because there's just no content in that language uh, or there, there's very little content in that language. So. Uh, you end up with probably a significant amount of the world's talent that's not able to contribute because there's no documentation. So I really do applaud, um, you know, projects like this. And by the way, if you want to translate programming Bitcoin into Spanish, please let me know. I have the translation rights. <laughs> Brink has application guidelines for developers who want grants to support the Bitcoin ecosystem. Their transparency on this process is laudable, and I hope more people apply for such grants so more developers can get support. For those interested, the main criteria seems to be a track record for producing, and that will likely mean bigger grants for more proven coders. This is one of the many paths now available to Bitcoin developers for funding, and I hope more such programs come into existence. Uh, for sure, I, I expect more as the bull market sort of develops, uh, like, like I wrote yes, uh, in a tweet um, last night. I, I don't think anyone knows how crazy this thing's going to get, and the amount of money that Bitcoiners are going to have is going to be absolutely insane. And that's going to change the equation for a lot of people. So looking forward to that. Uh, let's talk about Lightning. Lisa Nega discusses the challenges with inbound liquidity. The post is thorough in describing the problem and the pitfalls. One thing I learned is that earning of routing fees actually destroys a little bit of the inbound liquidity as money earned that way comes out of the inbound channels. She eloquently describes methods to obtain additional liquidity and the role of new liquidity ads of the new liquidity ads feature uh, in finding it. Uh, overall, this is a must read for anyone looking to be a routing node on Lightning. So the general problem on most uh, nodes, um, unless you happen to be a merchant, is inbound liquidity. Uh, if you want to get paid for something, you need lots of inbound liquidity uh, so that you, you have ways to receive money. And even if you're sort of like a consumer level node, um, you do need some inbound liquidity in, in, in case your friend wants to pay you for lunch or something like that. And uh, yeah, the the uh, she she lays out a lot of uh, different concerns that you have to have in order to uh, have the right inbound liquidity, how to obtain it, and so on. So I thought it was really good, um, worth reading. Typerbole uh, examines whether Lightning Network transactions actually have meaningful impacts on chain. Currently, Lightning open closed transactions only amount to 0.1% of the total on-chain fees. 
meaning that we're very early in lightning adoptions. This is the highest amount it's ever been, suggesting that lightning usage is growing steadily. This is a metric very much worth watching, though with Schnorr, Lightning Network open closes will not be obvious on chain when TACDUT activates. So, uh, you know, we, we talk about Lightning as sort of the future and this way of scaling Bitcoin and so on, uh, and, but the usage is absolutely tiny. So I, I do feel like as it ramps up and as it becomes more prominent, it'll be able to take a lot more transactions. Um, and I, I like just anecdotally in my day-to-day -day life, I'm finding that Lightning Network transactions are about half of the transactions I do. And if that's at all the case, the fact that it can take 0.1% of the block space and still have about half the transactions of Bitcoin would be absolutely huge. That that would mean that we can scale at least a thousand, uh, like five hundred times, um, just based on like Lightning Network channels uh, without much of a hitch and without like uh, you know like block uh, craziness or whatever. Because uh, it, it there there are certainly a lot of people using Lightning and it, it is very very convenient. Fountain Podcast is a Lightning Network-based podcast app. They have an interesting feature called Boostergrams, which is described here. Basically, you can send a message to the creator of the podcast along with some Lightning payment. Instead of comments on YouTube videos, which are free, this is a private message sent, to, sent with a payment as to have natural civil resistance. This is a great alternative to having ads, which pretty well nobody likes. And we can uh, come fairly quickly to a market price on what users are willing to pay for content. Um, I, I really like this idea. It's kind of like a mini Patreon. Um, and I suspect that, uh, you know, with Lightning, you will eventually get something like Patreon where you can have like subscription payments and so on. Uh, but this is really cool because it allows people to just pay directly uh, and say, hey, really appreciated the show, really appreciated this particular um, you know, episode and, you know, what you did with it. Uh, please generate more content like it, something like that, and, and, and send some money. Um, and this can be a much better signal to the podcast creator than, you know, number of views and so on, because you know what people are willing to pay for. And this is, uh, this is what every entrepreneur gets into is, okay, what, what are people willing to pay for? And how do I make more of that content? This is how you build a business. So, um, you know, I think podcasts can become more of a business and less like uh, so ad driven um, and based on what people like and more directly uh, in the market. Uh, and, you know, I, I look forward to that happening. Zion is a social media network built on Lightning. Bitcoin Magazine covers the platform here. This is a brainchild of JP Sears, who has a very popular YouTube channel satirizing a lot of controversial topics. It's not a surprise that content creators are looking for alternatives given the censorship going on with the centralized platform. So not Lightning is a very natural alternative. As you might expect, you need to run your own server in order to run Zion, though they have a hosted option. The decentralized web is starting to be built. So JP is, uh, you know, awaken with JP. He like, uh, you know, plays multiple characters and, you know, critic uh, and basically satirizes like masking and all, all kinds of stuff like that. Uh, really interesting uh, channel. And I, I imagine he's under some pressure because he he doesn't toe the company line about a lot of stuff, uh, especially on YouTube. So 
Uh, th this makes sense, and I, I, I hope he can figure out a way to make this social media network work. Um, certainly with Lightning, you can run your own server, uh, host your own content, and serve it up to whoever wants it, and it, therefore it becomes very peer-to-peer. Um, whether or not enough people take it up to sort of get that escape velocity going is the big question. Um, I, I certainly hope they do. Bitnob is now using Lightning for remittances. They are a startup and the article covers why they made the company and how they're changing the remittance experience. Lightning seems far better suited than on-chain payments and I really hope their idea takes off. The world, particularly people that seem most disadvantaged, are benefiting from the technology. So. As they're saying, like, uh, you know, a lot of remittance payments in Africa, especially, is a ginormous industry, and they are getting screwed by all of the middlemen, uh, particularly bankers in New York, essentially, that are making money. Um, you know, every time remittances are sent to Africa, you um, convert whatever currency to the dollar and then to that currency. Um, so there's like two hops there, and some banker in New York makes money every time which is kind of uh, crazy, but that, that's how it is. Uh, but you can enable sort of di direct payments using Lightning, and that's that's what they're seeking to do. And yeah, I mean, Lightning really is kind of exploding on this run uh, like never before, and it is very exciting uh, what is going on and, and the businesses that are build, being built on it. Alex Gladstein just destroys Gary Tan and his... Silicon Valley view of Bitcoin in this tweet thread. Sadly, too many VCs think they understand Bitcoin, but they are woefully unaware of the economics, technology, or both. I've often been surprised at how shallow, just how shallow many VCs' understanding of Bitcoin are, particularly in Silicon Valley. Gary is definitely one of those, and his rants again, rant against Bitcoin maximalists was completely and utterly taken down by Alex, who gives a much more global perspective than Gary's narrow Silicon Valley mentality. So this is one of my pet peeves is that the, uh, Silicon Valley investors are enemies of Bitcoin in many ways. They, they all they want to do is pump all coins and and make it, uh, you know, like uh, get get the quick run ups. Uh, you know, it used to be that VCs had to wait seven to 10 years to cash out. Um, now with like all coins, ICOs, NFTs, you know, what have you, all, all of these things are allowing a lot of these guys to cash out much, much earlier. Um, and, and oftentimes they'll buy the pre 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 sale and sell it into the market, um, you know, like six months later and make like 400% profit. So they're, they, they're like, this is like crack to them, right? And they, they can't get off. And, um, and they, uh, they don't see Bitcoin for what it is. Instead, they, they like denigrate uh, Bitcoin uh, maximalists and make it seem like they understand something when really they don't. They're they're just addicted to crack and they're um, you know uh, getting the benefits of the Cantillon effect on various altcoins. Justin Wales argues for a more decentralized political strategy instead of just Coin Center and Blockchain Association. As he points out, when those organizations were founded in the 2013 to 15 era. There were meant to be industry lobbying groups with fairly limited goals. Bitcoin's changed a lot since then, and among other things, we have a lot more people that own Bitcoin. Leveraging the number of people that own it does seem like a much better strategy and a lot more resilient to attack. I'm hoping for Bitcoin-only lobbying groups to emerge as the industry evolves. So, yeah, I, I, I thought the argument was really good. Um, you know, like Coin Center initially was founded, okay, let's lobby for these Bitcoin companies and so on. And 
they uh you know they were founded when bitcoin was tiny and not very many people owned it uh so they're not used to sort of like whipping up a frenzy among the public uh, among bitcoin owners to call the senators and so on uh this this infrastructure bill i i think came as a surprise to the coin center and blockchain associations of the world the two lobbying groups that are in dc right now um and that that was just uh kind of sad I, I i thought they failed in that regard and it was really uh sort of like the twitter mob uh that uh managed to call the senators and stuff uh and you know coin center honestly didn't do a very good job um and i i i think uh his argument that we should have more bitcoin only lobbying groups and perhaps like you know one in each state or lots and lots of them i i think is the right way to go blockstream has a new product aimed at energy production facilities to help balance their load this product probably will make no sense to the ESG folks that have little to no understanding of how the energy grid works, but makes perfect sense for anyone in the industry. The product is fascinating in its ability to stabilize energy production. Most forms of energy have fluctuating production that doesn't correspond with demand, so this product should help make spikes in energy production more profitable. Essentially, uh, you, you have times of peak energy production, which don't necessarily correspond with peak energy demand and that's the problem with uh, a lot of renewable energy and their uh, sort of like solution in a box is we'll take a lot of that energy and you know produce money for you or uh, make it a better investment and so on and um, you know this is what a bitcoin a lot of bitcoin miners do but uh, they're selling it directly to the energy producers as a way to balance their stuff and not be so dependent on, say, a Bitcoin miner. Uh, really great product um, and very clever, and I hope uh, that they do really well with it. We know libertarians love Bitcoin. Samantha Messing makes the progressive case for Bitcoin. As he, she points out, Bitcoin has been taken up by minorities and poor people in the third world more than the average. Interestingly, Warren's opposition to Bitcoin is cast as a defense of the banking status quo, which Warren's denounced. I suspect that this isn't necessarily going to convince people like Warren, as politicians are used to railing against industries that they secretly defend. That said, perhaps this argument can convince some younger progressives. Um, so I, I do think that we need to make uh, more arguments on the liberal side. Um, I think the conservatives more or less get it, or at least uh, they're a lot more open to it. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know why it is, but uh, the progressive side seems to be a lot harder to convince in uh, in some ways, um, especially if they're already against Bitcoin. Um, but, you know, I mean, it, it's coming and it's better that they get on the arc than not. Wilbur Wrong shows how the pound, the central bank-backed fiat money, uh, became what it is today through war. The article is great in its capturing of the history that led to the establishment of the Bank of England. War was a major driver as funding them was the impetus for much of the monetary machinations that eventually led to the central bank. I was struck by how limited tyranny was before the establishment of the central bank and how expansive that tyranny became, uh, be became afterwards. So, a uh, really interesting story, and I, I hope more people read stuff like this because monetary history is full of uh, stuff like this. And we're, we're told that the tyranny now is nowhere near the tyranny that 
you know, peasants experienced in the 17th century or something like that. But in actuality, it was the reverse. Uh, you know, like people had a lot more freedom back then. Uh, and, you know, they they weren't policed for their speech or, you know, forced to get vaccines or something like that. It, it, it was it was always uh, they, they had a lot more freedom and it's money that made tyranny much more possible. And there, it's not a coincidence, for example, that it's in the communist manifesto, the complete control of money, because they, you know, money is a very easy way, essentially, to control people. And that's, uh, that's, it's a form of tyranny that I think we should be very aware of, especially by studying history. Here's what, ha uh, some quick hits. Here's what happened to the $100 per student that was given out at MIT in 2014. Uh, so this was a project back in 2014 where they gave every MIT student like 100 bucks in Bitcoin. Something like a tenth of them used the Bitcoin like right away. Um, <laughs> and uh, they're obviously regretting it now because that $100 was something like, um, you know, 0.3 Bitcoin, which is uh, worth like, you know, uh, $15,000 as of this, uh, this podcast. So uh, pretty interesting. Uh, and, you know, reading about like the regrets a lot of them have uh, seven years ago, kind of crazy. You may be able to pay your mortgage in Bitcoin soon. So there's a bank working on uh, payment of mortgages in Bitcoin, um, which makes sense. Uh, there will probably be a lot more Bitcoin uh, buyers and so on. Another week, another confused billionaire says something dumb about Bitcoin. Uh, yeah, th this one is Mark Cuban, who is uh, not known for saying too many intelligent things, uh, especially about Bitcoin. And he's like basically pumping Dogecoin. Uh, he obviously has no clue what the hell he's talking about. And, uh, you know, um, yeah, he, he's uh, made a lot of money doing stupid things uh, and uh, like altcoins and so on. And he is kind of like that Silicon Valley investor. Uh, that, uh, you know, just basically uh, pumps all coins for his profit and so on. Another week, another exchange gets hacked. And, you know, that this is just all too common. But this one was in Japan. Uh, and, you know, it was for like $74 million. Uh, not your keys, not your coins, people. Events. Uh, I will be at the Big Block Boom Conference in Dallas this week on August 26th to 29th. Uh, Token 2049 in London, England on October 7th or 8th, although that may be, um, uh, you know, a little bit uh, more, um, you know, questionable uh, depending on the lockdown restrictions that are happening by then. And in Atlanta for TabConf on November 4th to 5th. Um, yeah, so those are the next three, um, and we'll see where they go. Um, the Programming Blockchain Seminar is in London and Atlanta uh, uh, after and before the two conferences, respectively. And it's a two-day seminar for programmers to learn about Bitcoin. And you can apply on the website. All right, uh, I also have some scholarships for those that can't afford it. All right, on this week's Bitcoin Fixes This, I talked to Bitcoin Mechanic about the punk mentality, music, finding a good place to live, and the attitude of self-sovereignty. I read through last week's newsletter, which you can find there. Um, but yeah, uh, Bitcoin Mechanic was great. Uh, he was a professional musician for a long time. And, uh, you know, he, he's been in Bitcoin since like 2011. So he's, he's got a very interesting perspective. I talked about the new book on the Lifeblood podcast. Uh, so you can get Thank God for Bitcoin, the Little Bitcoin book, and Programming Bitcoin all on Amazon. 
please, that's a, a, a nice way to support this channel. Unchained Capital is a sponsor of this newsletter, and I am proud to be an advisor of this company um, that's enhancing security for Bitcoin holders. If you need multi-sig, collaborative custody, or Bitcoin native financial services, learn more at unchained.com. Fiat de Lenda Est, this song is done.